0: It's the most all-star-studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. New CBS Sunday.
1: You collect rewards, right?
0: This is how I make my living. When something is lost... Everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars... How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions, If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, new Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, gopowercat.com's Kansas State Athletics show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go PowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald.
1: Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. We got the whole crew today. Tim Fitzgerald, that's me. Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, and Ryan Gills. Gilbert right here in the GPC studio. We've got lots of questions. We got hopefully some answers and we're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop into the fridge every time you come to Manhattan. They now have a TikTok account. If you want to just absolutely waste some brain cells, sign up for TikTok and follow the fridge. I haven't even done that. I need to do that because their social media is pretty good. Nothing like guys that work at the fridge dancing. That'll be fantastic. I hope we got good questions. I think they're pretty good. I'm told they're good, but Cole, I don't trust you. They might all be about baseball, and you think they're great. We don't want to talk about baseball. (laughs) I didn't include (laughs) any baseball questions. (laughs) Yeah, that baseball didn't do so well in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, but I'm looking at it this way. They're attempting to save a little money on the travel budget and to get home soon. They may play Kansas, most
2: likely, so maybe they'll be able to win that game.
1: By the time you're listening to this, you'll probably know. The same KU team that has more first and second team picks than That's than pretty Case crazy, State, isn't it? And uh, finished well below the Wildcats. Hmm. It's a Fitzgerald coup. Oh, we, we just recruit really well. We can't coach worth a damn, but yeah, we, we recruit really well. Let's get going. I, You know what? You know I love the fridge. You love the fridge. You need to be at the fridge. I need to be at the fridge. I got some stuff to pick up at the fridge. Make sure you stop into the fridge. And now here are your questions from Cole.
2: First question comes from Exhausted Nihilist. Name one thing you would like to see Coach Kleiman improve for next season.
1: Uh, he needs to be less careful about how he motions in press conferences so I can make more <laughs> snarky photos. He's gotten very careful about the chopping around me because I did a whole <laughs> phase of that. He, he's, uh, but In all seriousness, uh, I, I want to see if this defense can take the next step. They lost some key pieces. But they've talked a lot about how they're really settling into this defensive scheme and might be able to add some more stuff to it, um, which I find fascinating because there's hardly any players, Daniel Green, of course, that are left from when they put in this, the system. Uh, but I think the coaches now have a better grasp of what works in the Big 12, uh, what's effective against different schemes, and, and I think we're going to see that. If the Kansas State defense takes that next step and becomes disruptive, um, more consistently, but also takes away the run game, um, it's really going to free up the offense for big things. And you go back and look at the games where K-State had issues, Texas, the defense just broke down. They just couldn't handle it. So if you can get that level of consistency on the defensive side of the ball, honestly, like Iowa State, I mean, if you could have an Iowa State-like defense and an offense to go with it, What's remarkable remarkable about Iowa State's defense was the offense was no, not helping. They were putting the defense in bad situations, and they're still responding. So if you can get that kind of attitude on your defensive side to go with an effective offense, you're, you're going to win the Big 12. Was Iowa State the number one defense last year in the Big 12? They were up there until I the think last game. they were game. top three, maybe. They were up there, and then was it TCU that yeah. absolutely destroyed them at the end and mm-hmm. skewed all their stats. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but they were really good all year long.
2: My answer to this question, specifically when it comes to Coach Kleinman, um I, I feel like the aggressiveness was taken up a level this year, um, and I really appreciated that because in today's day and age of football that is so analytic-driven – I felt like K-State was kind of behind the curve with that before last season. Like There'd be times where it'd be a fourth and two from their own 40, and you're like, the analytics say to go for it, and they would punt the ball. But this year, it was the exact opposite, and they were much more analytically driven. I I think, to me, I want to see that trend continue. And the thing that really showed me that I think it will was in the game against Alabama. And I'm sure everybody remembers this, but K-State goes for it on fourth down they don't score a touchdown They give the ball back to Alabama. Um, then they call timeouts after they get a stop on first down to me. I absolutely love that move because you're trying to buy yourself another possession. And in a game where you are out talented, you are out Jimmy and Joe, you have to find a way to gain those extra possessions to win the game. He's never had to do that at North Dakota state. That was all the talk was. How do you, how, how does he manage not having the kind of dudes that he did at North Dakota state? Right? Well, to me, Whenever K-State has played teams that they should beat, they do beat them. But whenever they played teams but take out Oklahoma that maybe it might be kind of tough, they haven't really gotten that job done. That changed last year, and I think a lot of that had to do with analytics. So I'll say continued aggressiveness and continuing the analytical trend and following following what the data says because the data wants you to be aggressive. And I think if they can find a way to continue to be aggressive, it's going to help a lot.
3: I think for me, it's not necessarily an on the field thing, but it's the continued increase in the level and stature of recruits that they're getting to commit to the program. I think that, you know, last season with Avery, I think that was a big jump up and a big stepping stone. And I think that, you know, if you can continue that trend of at least, you know, having one marquee top 24 seven type of guy, that's a four star. I think that, you know, you're going to bring some more guys in and you know, open some more doors, hopefully. So th- that's what I want to see is just, you know, uh, at least a recruiting class for the next season that is at least similar in stature to what last year was. This isn't something that
4: necessarily needs to be improved, but prove to me that you can win without Deuce Vaughn on your team. And I know he did that in year one, but. This was kind of the DNA of over the last couple of years. Deuce Fawn, everything revolved around him. He's not going to be here. Uh, not necessarily something that needs to be improved, but just prove to me that you can win a different way.
2: Zach, I'm going to touch on your point. I think that as far as the recruiting goes, last year was so unique because of all the top kids in the state of Kansas. And it and yeah. 2025 is shaping up to be that way. You're like, right. There's, there's a kid, Jaden Woods, who got an offer from Alabama, who's the number one player in the state, like, there's a few guys in that class that K-State is going to be in the running for that are top talent level kids but in this class in particular it's just it's it's really hard for them sure. to do that because in their backyard I'm, it's not as it's I'm not as it's not as high.
3: Ryan as, Wallace and I were talking about this. Yeah. 2025 is the class that's shaping up that could be like 2023. So 2024 might be maybe a little bit of a lull but I, I think my point still stands you have to still Recruit and maintain at that level, even if you know you got to go out of state and maybe a guy that isn't in your backyard. There can't be that much of a drop off, right? You can't have you can't have a drop off at this point. I will say though that the offers that some of these kids get,
2: that some of these kids are getting, um, that commit to K State are offers that normally. The kids that commit to K State wouldn't commit to K State with offers they get, right? Like, so that that's something right. to be that's, positive.
3: Yeah, that's another. Maybe not like
2: star wise. It's a right. The same. That's another
3: barometer. You know, if if a kid is committing to K State over, I don't want to say Alabama or Georgia, but that's I mean that's the Oregon point. State, you know, Oregon State, Oregon, Nebraska, yeah, Nebraska, Iowa State, Iowa. You know, those types of kids, if they're committing to K State, you know, those are those are big wins. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. Fitz,
4: Great.
3: you mentioned the press conferences with his hands. Mm-hmm. I, I think he needs to improve
4: his enunciation of the word situation. I think he, I think he
2: nails
1: it. I don't know. what you're I talking think there about. needs to be more G's. Situation. Yeah. Just get the second one in there. Situation. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I, I, I don't want him to ever change that. We all kind of silently chuckle at every press conference when he. You I make like, eye contact with somebody every time you look over and somebody's looking at you. My favorite part is when he once said a situational situation. <laughs> I don't. That was good. I liked
2: it. He knows he does it.
1: I know. It's amazing. I, now I think he knows he does it and he does it anyhow. Yes.
2: Very good. Uh, next question comes from Exhausted Nihilist once again, sticking with the theme. Name one thing you would like to see Coach Tang improve for next season.
1: It's hard to do that after know, an Elite right? Eight. Final Four. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. What are you doing? Exiting the tournament so early. Well, I guess probably it's time to start developing your recruits. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I know they're still looking for another guard, um, but they've got a really good trio of perimeter players coming in. Um, and I know he wants experience in the backcourt, but I'd also like to see that. Balanced with really getting those guys out there and ex- exposing them. I mean, you look down to Baylor, Keontae George. I know you don't really want to have that kind of an experience in the backcourt, and Baylor ran into some issues for that. But the guy's first round pick, A lottery pick, lottery pick, yeah. which honestly caught me off guard a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a lot bigger in person than I thought he was on. TV. Exactly. He walked by me in the hallway, and I'm like, "You don't look that big on the court, but yeah. you just you're you're pretty tall." He's a great player.
2: So I developing, just, yeah, I, I think, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah,
4: well, that's kind of what I was going to say, too. The, the way to win this year was with transfer portal guys, and now we're going to start transitioning into winning with your high school prospects. And so getting those recruits uh, developed is obviously big. So, yeah, go ahead, Cole. I,
2: I think developing and proving that the guys that you bring in can help you contribute, I mean – there's, I, I'm not saying that I don't trust this staff to develop because look what they did with, you know, look what they've done with a guy like Naquan Tomlin, who, mm-hmm. you know, we all know his his background. But let's see if these guys take the next step. I mean, that it's a natural progression, but until you see someone take the natural progression, you know, there's still going to be question marks. The same thing that happened with a guy like Mike McGurl at K State, who really, I mean, all due respect to Mike, because I know he put his time in at K State, and the fans should love him for everything he gave. But he never really got a ton better than when he stepped foot on campus. Right.
4: He got bigger, stronger, yes, but skill set. Mm. So let's yeah, biggest see. Biggest of his career was his freshman year, where he was a walk-on, for, or excuse me, a redshirt for most of the year. Yeah, gets Creighton. So I'd like to see some con- con- easily Cons- attainable
1: improvement. My thing is. You can't live off the transfer portal year after year. It's not a sustainable way to do business. You certainly can use it to supplement and bring something in you need, but the program's going to have to start leveling out this teeter-totter. And really, uh, they need Taj Manning to step up and be a really good player. They say he's going to be a good player. They need to see some of that youth coming in. And uh, I agree with him that you need to be experienced in the backcourt to go deep in the NCAA tournament, uh, but you can't get yourself caught up in the addiction of going out to find the home run on the uh, transfer portal trail all the time, which, uh, you know, they're still waiting to do that this year. Yeah.
4: I don't think we know what Tang envisions five years from now, what what a roster will look like. How many guys did you get as a, you know, senior I guess the fifth-year seniors aren't going to be a thing with COVID. That's what we got. Like next year will be the last one. I uh, can't wait for that to be over. It
2: but, depends. Yeah.
4: But I don't think Tang knows himself what he really envisions because of the success that he did have with the portal. I agree, Fitz, you can't live off of that every year. You want to get your guys developed. But I know a lot of big 12 coaches talk about getting old and staying old. Well, an easy way to always be old is bringing in a guy that has hundred games under his belt that can come in, be a point guard, be a two, whatever, and maybe not be a superstar, but be a nice anchor for your team. So
3: it's – uh, yeah, we'll see. I'd want to see – I know K-State went 11-7 and seven last year in Big 12 play. Yes, it was good enough for third in the conference, but I would like to see some more conference play consistency because there were times and stretches during the season. You're just like, yeah. I don't know what we're getting with this team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously the postseason run I mean, even the big 12 tournament, they lose that first round game. Back. You're just like, what, what are they going to do? And then they draw Kentucky. You know, that was probably one of the best games of the year that they played. And, you know, they make the sweet six make the sweet 16, make the elite eight, you know, it was, it was rolling at that point. And that's ultimately what matters. I think when you look at the success of a season, it's about that incident tournament, nobody's going to remember the, the conference championships or, you know, getting close like that. But I think that having longer stretches of consistent play is going to be key. Cause I think that if, if they had, you know, a little bit better January or February, Maybe they make the final four and they overcome Florida Atlantic. Mm. So I think that, you know, that goal should be 12 wins. I think at this point, they won 11 last year. I think 12 would be a good number, but even then you only tough right now. Right. But sure. I'm with you, Gills, but KU winning 13 games last year to win the regular season conference championship outright. I I think that's pretty attainable for K-State to just, you know, find two more games to be 13 and 5 and kind of be up in that conversation.
2: You go back and you look at some of those games and you just you shake your head because there were games where that you can find a way to scratch out two more wins you get a conference championship. Mm-hmm.
4: I really hope that Tang continues to listen to other people's opinions. You know, we talked about last year one of the assistants had mentioned how they were working too hard, you know, they were losing. I think they lost three out of four and it was, you know, Tang mentioned somebody was in his ear and said, hey, why are we working so hard right now? You know, we're in the thick of big 12 play. And they, they dumbed back the practices. They had fresher legs. They started winning. And so just keeping your ears open. If you're a Jerome Tang, uh, he did that really good in year one. Keep that up because the way that I'm sure he thought he was going to be a head coach when he initially got hired, I'm sure that's changed a lot to where we are now with having a season under your belt. I think when you get complacent, you stop getting better at things just in general in life. And so he's got to continue to, let his entire staff uh, continue to help him and I, I think that 100% they will and he'll listen but that's not something again that he can necessarily improve on but just just keep getting better at that if that makes sense and don't remember the assistant coach that suggested
3: changing the starting lineup
4: he's not an assistant coach right now I'm sure that that'll that's be in the world. I don't know he's verified on Twitter I don't know yeah, mm, he's got enough money to fork time. out Elon <laughs> Yeah, yeah especially now yeah. I need to get on the settings or something every time I tweet It doesn't send. It waits like twenty seconds. Oh, that's what. And it's like, are you sure you want to hit?
3: Are you sure you want to? That's what it does. Yeah, that's everyone. Everybody? No, no. It was just me. No, on everyone that's verified.
4: Yeah, I want to. Is there a setting on that? There's got to be a way to turn that off. Because it's like really hate it.
3: It's an edit thing. It's they want to make sure.
4: Yeah, I I, I understand why, but a lot of the stuff, especially when there's games going on, it's boom, boom, boom. You want to be live updating on Twitter. You don't want to be thirty seconds
1: late. Just pretend you're an assassin and double tap that crap. Right. Okay. Two taps. Okay. Okay.
2: Next question comes from AmeriCat. Has Jerome Tang found the secret sauce to getting an edge in the transfer portal? Being patient? Mm,
1: not yet. It worked last year. Let's see. Yeah. I'm, I need more results in one year. I mean, they are being extremely patient again. Uh, I mean, I don't think it
4: really worked last year. Like, there's no way they were, they were banking on the Keontae thing working out. It happened. Great. But I don't think that that was... Part of the plan since April or May of last year,
2: you know. I agree. I think you go back and you look at the things that happened last year, like Antoine Davis. If Antoine Davis comes to K State, Keontae Johnson is not at K State, so like things fell in their lap. And Nigel Pack stays. I don't know if Keontae wants to come. Correct. Well, I don't know if they go after. Like, do they even go after Keontae? Like, there's so many things that had to happen last year that did, and the stars aligned, which is great. And I think that's what makes this staff so good is that they're they have a plan. But when that plan goes off the rails, they're pretty good at straightening out and, and making new rails and finding a, a way to get back on the track. So I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing, but it's kind of one of those things where, like, unless we really, really feel like we want this person, like, we'd rather settle later. Like, I feel like that's kind of what how they feel. They would rather settle on something at the very end as opposed to settling in the beginning. If that I makes any sense, I have of to sense.
4: go back and look. But like Bay and David Gasan, like those were the guys they were getting this time later. David David was earlier. Yeah, he was okay. Well, he was right around this time. Yeah, because I remember that. That's like the, I'm sorry, but K State could have went to the Elite Eight without those two players. Bluntly put, so I get I get it because they had success in the portal and it was delayed for a little bit, but. I don't want to say like I, I, I'm not saying they got lucky in the portal. I'm not saying that at all last year, but like Marquise Noel really was the, the catalyst of this team and winning his recruitment to stay in Manhattan. That was the biggest thing for Tang, in my opinion, last offseason. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like I'm not optimistic that K State's going to hit these home runs in the portal. I'm waiting
1: till it happens to be yeah, I, completely. Satisfied. I'm more patient this year than I was a year ago, Sure. but. He's earned our trust a little bit. Right. I, I still got to see it. Before I say they've got some secret sauce here, I need a little bit more of the right. recipe. There's another side of the coin
3: here that, you know, you may wait and you may have waited too long. But mm-hmm. I think that, you know, like we've we've said, he's Jerome Tang has bought himself some time with what he did last year. But sure. you're absolutely right about, you know, Keontae being so late that they surely couldn't have banked on him, you know, as long as – You know, for him being what he became, I guess.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And I've heard multiple times the last
4: couple of months that, you know, something big's cooking here with this guy or that guy. And it's just never really worked out, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's going to happen. You're going to lose those battles that you're in. But how, you know, we got to actually see these guys start committing, if that makes sense. And I also think
2: that there's the other side of the coin that they feel really confident in the guys they have coming back.
4: There's a lot of sides to this coin. It's, it's, a actually, it's, a, die, it's, it's
3: actually a dice. <laughs> yeah, it really is at this
2: point. It really is. It's called
1: a die. Anyway. <sighs> Are we ready for the next question? I am. I'm so ready. I'm ready. Ish. Okay. Okay.
2: The last question of the first half comes from Bush and the Hog. Assuming that K-State has another successful year in football, what coaches could we expect to take other jobs? And do you think there is a sort of succession succession plan in place for certain roles? I feel like we have this question a lot, and every time we say the exact same answers, and every time nothing changes.
1: Yeah, that's one of the reasons why this program has been stable and climbing. Is as Coach Climan has been able to you know, keep a lot of continuity within the staff. And I think they finally found the right guy receiver. Um, I hope so. Someone's going to come after Connor Riley. He's going to get Scotty Hazelton's at some point where someone, I mean, offensive line coaches in the SEC are getting a million plus. Right. It's I, just going to happen. I think that's the only fear. I don't want to say fear, but the only
3: plausible scenario right now is somebody's getting a massive payday at one of 20 different schools. I don't think that there are, you know, for if they're going to make a lateral move or even like a coordinator move, you know, you're looking at a handful, a handful of select schools that they would leave to go to. I mean, I think Colin Klein could go to any school in the country and be their offensive coordinator. I think that that's just a realistic possibility. If somebody wants Colin Klein bad enough, they can pay him to get him. Well, did we not go just go through that, though? Yeah. Yeah. But. I still think that he's he
2: he will go wherever. I don't think he's leaving except to be a head coach at this point.
1: At this point I I, I, I would agree that's the plan, but I I want to put an asterisk next to Notre Dame. I think there were some budget things going on there that we don't fully appreciate sure. and they offered him the very most they could, which was more than he gets paid at K-State, but not the staggering number that you could see from other programs. I mean, Notre Dame's media contract is impacting its football program, and that's why I'm just shocked that they continue to say we're staying independent um, because they're going to fall way behind the Big Ten. But for a guy like Joe Klanderman or
3: Connor Riley, it's going to take a top-20 school or type of job that can pay. It'll be more money for either the same work or a promotion.
2: And what are the odds? So. And let's just let's just be real here. What are the odds that that actually happens? I don't care if K-State wins the Big 12 and goes to a college football playoff. K-State will always be looked down upon by the SEC and by the Big Ten, no matter what happens. So what are the odds of that actually happening? I know we can sit here and talk about Garrett Riley going to Clemson as an offensive coordinator, but I think those situations are completely different, right? I mean, he is a, the lineage of one of the best coaches in the sport, And he's a younger coach. Like I just can't see a Garrett Riley type of thing happening with a Colin Klein. I just can't. That's, that's fine. That's my point is that that's what I would take.
3: Right. That's what it would take for, you know, people to leave, you know, unless a position, you know, underperforms like we saw two years ago, you know, getting rid of mess, getting rid of Jason Ray. I mean, I, I think that Chris Kleiman is very open to making changes on his staff when he needs to make changes. But also I think that if, you know, if you're doing well, you're having success here. There's a lot of coaches that I don't really see leaving like Buddy, Mm -hmm. Dewey, you know, if Van Malone gets a head coach coaching opportunity, I think he leaves. But, you know, I think that everyone is pretty happy here and it's going to take, you know, like I've said, a top 20 job with top 20 type of pay. If Colin Klein leaves,
2: then that opens the door for Connor Riley to be your offensive coordinator. Oh, so absolutely. I think if I think if Colin Klein leaves and you're keeping Connor Riley, if Connor Riley leaves and you lose Colin Klein, then that's just bad
4: luck. But mm-hmm. I can't see both of those things happening. I just can't. Yeah. Well, Colin Klein's in the picture in the back of Riley's head, you mm-hmm. know, saying, hey, am I hearing that he might leave? Well, then maybe I will stick around and yeah. see if I can be the coordinator mm-hmm. for five years from now, three years from now. Mm-hmm. But in your defense, Zach, I will say at least, at least Klein entertained the Notre Dame stuff. But I, at the end of the day, I'm with Cole. I don't, I don't think he'll leave unless it's for a head coaching position. That's just me.
3: Do you okay. think if Colin Klein did ever leave, do you think, well, I guess well, this didn't make sense. If Joe Klanerman left, do you think they would try? Do you think Chris Klein would try getting Matt Ince to come as be his defensive coordinator? That's interesting. I've always wondered about that. If there was ever an opening, I screwed up the side of the ball. He was on. He was the defensive coordinator. But would okay. Matt Ants make the jump up to D
1: one? Certainly, be a pay increase. Absolutely. Which is just weird to think about. And the head coach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the head coach at one of the elite programs at that level mm-hmm. would get be paid significantly more as a coordinator. Oh, yes, I do. By the way, and I think they'd also. Go knock on Scotty Azelton's door again. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I, I think there's a sense of regret. And that was a more money move. That wasn't necessarily more happiness move. That's it for the that first half. It. I totally was waiting for Cole to ask another yep. question. Then Cole didn't ask question, So then I realized, oh, that was the last question. Colt's not going to ask the question. So now we're going to just start these ads right now.
0: GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios.
1: Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Oh, my gosh. I I just haven't been up there. I I need to go buy some Pacifico in bottles where it belongs. That's a hot take. Not in cans or on tap? Uh, On tap's okay. Cans don't work for Pacifico. I don't know why. Pacifico
3: tastes good
4: on tap when... Certain somebody's pouring it for Uh you. Uh-huh. It
1: tastes delicious. Well, mostly because you put your thumb in it every time you pour me a beer. I don't quite understand why you do that, but it does add a little salt. It does. Enough of the setup. It's for flavoring. These are the questions that you've asked us at Wabash Station. Everyone gets to listen, but you've got to be a member at Go Power Cat, one of our VIPs, to ask the questions. And now Cole's going to read more of those. First question of the second half comes from KSU Cat 80 can Cooper Beebe
2: realistically enter the Ring of Honor? I know oh, where they're getting and, – and do you know where this is coming from? He he had an interview with Pro Football Focus. They did a, an exclusive interview with him, and he said part of the reason he came back was, A, so he could graduate, and B, because he wants to be in the Ring of Honor. And I don't believe that there's been anybody who hasn't graduated who's in the Ring of Honor.
1: Is that correct? It, it used to be a uh, guideline for Coach Snyder, and then there used to be some guidelines about – um, All-American status, which they dropped. I mean, he, he rightfully added uh transformational figure in the program. To, I mean, like a guy like Kevin Lockett can't, w- wasn't able to be in the Ring of Honor because was, there was really good receivers this season. And he was hugely impactful in K-State football, but he was third-team All-American. Now That shouldn't disqualify you because your position was loaded around the country that year. So, uh, look, I... Um, I think it's time to start getting some, some of those big guys up there. Nick Lecky belongs up there, and I certainly think that it's another first-team All Big Twelve season, first-round pick. Uh, we'll see Cooper BB up there eventually. Did you see what Cooper said
4: about Kansas in that article? Yes,
1: that was amazing.
4: No, so the Ku coaches were basically told Cooper that they were about to get fired. Oh, don't yes, come here. That. He's told us that story
3: before. <laughs> yeah, that's so for that. Media's.
2: Did he say that? Yeah, he did. Yeah, on I the think record.
3: Been. I thought, I thought that was always off the record, but maybe not. Oh. Apparently it is. Oh,
2: he, <laughs> he quoted in this article. He said, one of the reasons I came back was to try to make Kansas state's ring of honor. The top players that played at Kansas state are in there like Jordy Nelson, Darren Sprouls and Colin Klein. That's where I want to see myself. If I'm fortunate to be there, I'll have that forever. I think I put myself in a great position to be considered, but one more year of college might put me over the edge. I look at that. Wall and say, why not me?
3: I'm not going to lie, it's kind of strange hearing somebody say that that's a goal. And I, and I don't mean to discount the goal. I'm just saying it's a very lofty goal. He's already, you know, reached the accolades of, be, you know, be, meeting the criteria other than, you know, not being five years out of school. But it really is such a high honor in k-state football history to be up on that wall people yeah
2: people that watch football and people that know football you don't you don't even have to know that much about football to watch cooper bb and be like this guy's different like every time i watch him play or even practice you can just tell that he just has an it factor that nobody else in that offense on that offensive line has and that's not a knock on anybody else but cooper bb is just he's just different like he's just different and he's a special talent that if he played any other position fans would be clamoring about him being one of the top three players ever at his position at K-State like he he is that good and so yes he will be in the ring of honor immediately he should be he's gonna be a first-round draft pick and I can't wait to see it because he is an outstanding kid and he's an, an amazing amazing football player
3: all right, this wasn't a question, but Fitz, who are the next four people that should be in the oh, Ring boy. of Honor? Um, Tim
1: Fitzgerald, yeah, no doubt about it. He, he was a really underrated um, performer. But put that, Kellis that, in there at quarterback, yeah. Um, I, I haven't looked at it, uh, but Nick Lucky belongs up there. They need to go back and get some of the old guys. Like basketball, we keep living in the moment instead of honoring the guys that belong there. They were all Americans. Long before K State football was great, I was going to make the argument. You put Deuce and Felix, and maybe even Cooper, if it's
3: you know if they do it six years from now, immediately, and then you add in maybe
1: two or three other guys. Yeah, we got a lot of guys. We got to get get up there.
3: Deuce is Deuce is worthy to go in.
2: Is Felix worthy to be on that? Based off of statistics alone,
1: you know that's why you wait five years. That is a perfect example of why you wait. You need time to sort it out. Um, and I mean, there's, we can go to the basketball side with retirement of, of jerseys, not numbers, jerseys, and the argument about Barry Brown and Dean Wade. And, you know, how will they stack up in the grand scheme of things? Marquise Noel's an interesting person. Keontae's an interesting person. I don't think Keontae will be up there, but... Um, Tang said they should be, both of them. I agree. But, again, you need to let the test of time sort it out. And maybe, you know, at some point we'll realize, you know, Marquise was transitional. Like, he totally changed the program Mm -hmm. more than Keontae. So, yeah, I'm I'm all for when it's obvious. Um, Michael Beasley should be up there. I don't care if he only played one season. He's the greatest college basketball player I've ever covered. Ever seen he was better than the guys that are now in the NBA that have been there a long time and in the big 12 at the same time so um, I, I think K State needs to put forth a real effort in basketball football to go back and make sure everyone that needs to be honored has been honored and quit doing it piecemeal, particularly with guys that are alive and aging get them up there mm-hmm. when they, when they can be there. It is. A lot of it's about the foundation that you lay, right? And
4: to go back to Cooper, what if Camden, he didn't have to be an All-American or anything like that, but he starts for two years, three years, and is a solid contributor to a, a Big 12 championship team. And when you think of the last name BB, you don't just think of Cooper. And that whole, I know the family's got a really good yeah. uh, really good set of DNA uh, in them. But yeah, it's it's not about what you do when you're here. But it's it's obviously the legacy that you leave and moving forward, how your respective program, uh, you know, plays. Yep. Agreed. Next question comes from Powercat Ryan.
2: Which current football players would you place in the top 10 at their position all time at K-State? Do Will Howard, Cooper Beebe, and Ben Sinnott make the list? Beebe, yes. Cooper Beebe.
3: Beebe, 100%.
1: 100%. Senate might because there's been so few tight ends. I mean I mean you'd have, have to go got back the ball for scores. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there there was, you know, some guys pre Snyder um that stood out, Russ Campbell comes to mind. Um and early years of Snyder, he threw to the tight end. So you know, you see some other guys. Travis Danhill's top ten. Probably. Um but before that there was even some great ones. So I know. uh, uh it's hard to say on, on Will. I think he's very close to top 10, but they've had some great quarterbacks.
2: If you, you just have to say, if when you do this, I feel like you have to just say from Bill Snyder. Like, that has to be your starting point. And I know that's maybe not just well, that, that's, – maybe that's disrespectful to the people that came before Bill Snyder. But kind of like we talked about on Fighting, ever Fighting with Mark Porter, it's like, you know, there are two distinctive timelines in K-State football history. You have pre-Bill Snyder and – Post Bill Snyder, it's like yeah, I agree. B B S and
1: A B S. Yeah, I I don't know what that means. Before
2: but, Bill Snyder, um, Bill Snyder. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Okay.
1: <clears throat> yeah, he's I mean, a historian over here. Come on, uh, Lynn Hickey and and Steve Grogan certainly are in the top yeah. ten. I mean, they not only were great college quarterbacks, but they were great mm-hmm. NFL quarterbacks. Um, you, you know, you just start then with <clears throat> Chad May. We're gonna get going here. Michael Bishop. Michael. Al. Or L. Sorry. Not Al. I'm thinking (laughs) of. Don't call me Al. Sal. Yeah. Sal. (laughs) Do you play Uh, quarterback? (laughs) uh, Jonathan Beasley, um, who's still underappreciated. But I think, you know, he didn't win a Big 12 title, and that's L's big thing. But I think he was a better quarterback than L. Roberson. Josh Freeman. Josh Freeman, again, not a Snyder guy at all. Never played for Snyder. I'd love to have seen it. Um, Are we going to throw Jake Waters into that mix? I knew Zach would if you
2: I, didn't say that,
4: Zach would have mentioned it. I'd probably put Will above Jake Waters at this point. Yeah,
2: But I think you've only seen one year from Will Howard. A lot of this depends upon how he performs this year.
4: I would agree with that. And it was
1: half a year, really, mm-hmm. that he was successful. Played in eight games. I we believe we didn't like. mention that guy that's the offense coordinator. Oh, yeah, that's kind of important. Colin Klein. Who? Um, it's really impressive the number of great co- college quarterbacks mm-hmm. Kansas State has had. This is not translated to the NFL. <clears throat> but as I often point out, they're not in charge of – their job isn't to make NFL players. It's to win college football games. And, and I see programs around the country that are really good at putting guys in the NFL that don't win that much. Texas. And, uh, you know, there's a handful of programs that get elite players and also win. You know, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. Is Daniel Green in the top
2: 15 of middle linebackers? This is a school that's had very good middle linebackers. I don't know if Daniel Green is in the top 10, but I think he's in the top 15. And I could I could make an argument that he could be in the top 10. He is very underappreciated, especially if he has the year this year that I think a lot of people think he's going to have. A consistent f- starter for five years? It is hard to deny that.
1: Yeah, It no. is hard to deny that. Uh, you know his injury season last year uh, I think um has led people to sleep on him they think they don't realize how beaten up he was and if he's healthy this year i I'll say it i he could be flirting with ring of honor type things if he has the kind of season he's capable of in twenty twenty three he is going to be a First team, all Big 12,
2: and he will he will fight for Defensive Player of the Year. Right. He is not going to get any votes or anything in the preseason,
1: but he is going to have an outstanding season. I know. Uh, and um, because of the five years, the longevity of his career, his stats will pop out again. You'll get to this five years down the road and look at that and go, wow, look what he amassed during his career, ending as a top player in the country. I so he's got he's got a great range of um, where he could end up in the the history of Kansas State football. He could be seen way up there as one of the elite linebackers, or he could just kind of fall back into the crowd. Mm-hmm. He's got to have a big year. Those four would be probably the only ones that would be and
2: worth discussing about as top ten of their position, right?
3: Probably. You know, when you think about history of college football programs. You know, especially now, 120, 140 years, you know, since the beginning of a lot of programs, at any given time, you probably do have a handful of guys on the team that are just mathematically going Mm -hmm. to be top 10. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it'll, you know, as time goes on, it'll definitely decrease. But kind of an interesting thing to think about that there probably are guys on the team that are top 10. Great. Good question, Ryan.
2: Uh, next question comes from Call Me T Twenty Two. What does the latest news out of the Big Ten mean for the Big Twelve? How can Brett Yormark capitalize?
1: That's I, I don't know if there's a way for the Big Twelve to capitalize on this. Just making sure the ink is dry on everything. Yeah. Would you like to elaborate <laughs> some
3: backstory for yeah. some of us sitting at the table who don't? Well,
1: Kevin to Warren, know. the outgoing, or done. I don't even know what his status yeah. is now with the Big Ten. Their commissioner made some promises during the negotiating. We all thought, wow, they they took care of this awfully quickly. They, they got CBS for this and ESPN or whatever it is. You know, they just they signed three major entities. Well, apparently, he made promises to NBC that are impossible to deliver. He promised him a championship game that was not within his realm of power to award, uh, and he's also promised him night games that programs are saying, no, we're, we're up north. We not, we're not playing night games in November, and I understand that. I mean, at some point, um, whether it's day games in the south or night games in the north, player safety has to be a concern. It's too hot. It's too cold. Um, you know, this isn't professional sports where you're going to, the guys are paid to do it, and they've got all the elite medical staff there. This is college sports. They have very good medical staffs, but um, I just think you got to be more careful about this. Uh, so, basically, the, they announced their media deal without the signatures. I don't I mean, even K State with the Chris Kleiman contract, we all knew it was coming. They didn't announce that until the signatures were on them, mm-hmm. on it, and everyone had been vet. Everything had been vetted by attorneys, and this is this is incredible. But this could water down this deal. NBC could get out of some of what you know if they're not going to get that championship game. I think they have every right to retract. Now, the, where it co- becomes interesting is. Since it's not signed, does the Big Ten say, hold on, we promised you things that you can't deliver, we can't deliver, so do you want to still do this contract? What's it worth to you? And the second they say, well, 75% of what we offered, the contract's not signed. I can see them going, okay, we're going back to the market then. That's where it could impact everyone because now, I mean, we talk about it from the Big 12 perspective, but what if NBC says, screw you, you just – just totally lied to us. We're going to just take everything for the Pac-12. We're going to give him a deal. So that's where there could be some fallout from this. Or uh, that doesn't happen. And let's be honest, nobody's eager to jump in bed at the Pac-12. It's teetering on the brink. And um, despite the ravings of some people on Twitter, it just doesn't draw the audiences for viewership that other people. Conferences do so. Uh, maybe this comes into this. People are like, "Well, what if the Big Twelve adds four more teams? Uh, is it going to water down the contract?" Well, no. I mean, ESPN uh, is willing to up their bid if they get more games out of quality, you know, proven programs. But at some point, you're going to have so much more inventory. You're going to have another level of your inventory to sell. And does that bring NBC into the the possibility of the Big Big Twelve in the future? I mean, if the Big 12 goes to 16 or even 20 teams um, in the life of this contract, that could very possibly bring in another, another entity to broadcast with. I mean, it's, it's about inventory. It's about your number of teams, your number of games. It's not just a flat amount to a conference, it's all calculated in. NBC's probably really pissed right now. I mean, they were literally lied to in a negotiation and promised things that can't be delivered. Uh, I mean, that literally, he yeah. promised them something that belonged to someone else. It's crazy. I feel like if the Big Ten has to go back to the drawing board on
3: negotiations, I don't think they get anywhere close to the number that they were expecting. Agree. I, th- I think the market has just changed for college sports. It's I mean my- just the economy too. I mean I just I don't think that you know if, if they yeah, I mean if they make you go back and renegotiate, I mean at this point I don't know what what you want to do. You might just want to wait until closer till the end of the current deal to get a new deal. Just be happy that Brett Yormark is in charge of your conference.
2: Right. Like that's what it comes down to. Like I love when we have these questions about all these other conferences falling apart and the big 12 is exploring new ideas. It's expanding. It's being out in front of everything. And maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we just don't hear about the, the bad things that are going on, but I just have a hard time believing that there's anything bad happening because he just is on top of everything. And it's, it's just so refreshing.
1: So if you're looking for a conference commissioner, there's now two quick formulas. You go look at, for someone who's got experience in that space. Maybe was was associate commissioner or somewhere or whatever. Uh, it's been an AD uh, like Bob Bolsby was. Or now people are looking outside the industry and saying, okay, what can this person bring in? The PAC-12 has now done that back-to-back outside the industry and chose poorly. You can blame your commissioners all you want. But they didn't just land in your lap when you had no choice. You literally selected these people to be in charge. So at the end of the day, that just comes right back to you. You're incompetent. And I think it's very clear that the leadership of the pac 12 is utterly incompetent. These chancellors and presidents have no clue about which they're talking. They're... They're living in some alter universe. I, I literally tweeted that. I feel like talking to some of these fans of the Pac-12, they're from a different dimension. <laughs> this, none of this adds up to the realities of college football mm-hmm. and the realities of what the Pac-12 is in that frame. Um, so, yeah, I, this Big Ten mess is, is going to play out. I, I think it was Jamie Pollard at Iowa State who just had a story someone wrote. I guess he's on the equivalent of their cab tour or two or whatever. And he goes, it's so strange. There's five major conferences, autonomous five is what they want to call it, which is more you know, more palatable if you're not one of them. Um, and right now, the SEC and the Big 12 are the stable ones. Mm-hmm. We have literally never been in this position. He's been there almost 20 years. Never before has he been in this position that the Big 12 is the stable conference. And he pointed out what I think a lot of us feel. Shedding, Texas in particular, Oklahoma is a different story, has brought a sense of peace, calm, and unity to this conference, the likes of which they've literally never seen. Because from day one, Texas was strong-arming the Oklahoma schools, the Texas schools, and coerced Colorado into voting their way on everything. They were the bullies. They were the bullies. They literally are. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. you know this this might be a another way for the big twelve to find some more income, and let me just say if there's one commissioner out there right now that can translate it into actual dollars for his member institutions, he's in charge of the big twelve
2: mm-hmm. on that same note, the last question of the podcast comes from Woody Shade Dog. Is there a legitimate chance u n l v or San Diego State could be added to the big twelve instead of
1: oh God Utah or Arizona State? yeah. Yeah, in fact, I almost sense that the the, the list right now is Arizona, Colorado, which um, our buddy Barry Trammell, out of nowhere, who hasn't really been known hmm. for reporting a lot on conference expansion, reported that Colorado's ready to go, right? That might be June 1. It's coming up. Um, and then San Diego State is the third. Because I think the, the Big 12 <clears throat> hasn't just taken non P5 schools, they've they found the ones with the incredible growth potential that can do things that, you know, you, you bring on, well, just look at Utah. Look at Utah as a perfect example and TCU. And granted, both of them had good football programs, particularly TCU, before they were Power Five. But given the opportunity, TCU plays for a national championship. Utah thinks they won seven national championships. Um, but there has been amazing progress. San Diego State might be the next one. They want to be in the Pac-12. I don't blame them. That's their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But if that's not available, I think they they would jump at the chance. The UNLV play, I'm, I think that's going away simply because of the ACC being in flux. Uh, but yeah, I, UNLV has a legitimate shot if they want to add more than three schools in the West. I know a lot of Utah fans want to say what's going on Twitter isn't reflective. Yes, it is. I mean, I had a national writer slide into my DMs and goes, you having fun with Utah fans? They're the most toxic group of people I've ever come across in all my years of doing this. Uh, Guys, uh, you know, I threw this antidote on Twitter. I talked to an associate commissioner, assistant commissioner at Big 12 who brought it up. How about those Utah fans? I'm like, oh, they're a handful. And he goes, yeah, believe me, we're aware of the problems. Hmm. It, it you know it's it goes back to what I just said about Jamie Pollard. We've never seen this kind of unity and you know in our conference, do you really want to bring in someone who openly says we don't want to be here? We'd prefer to be somewhere else and and look all of us every every school in the big twelve would take an s e c offer uh, every one of them I mean the money's just too much. But when you literally have a school saying, well, we really want to be in the Big Ten, we'll we'll come hang out with you for a while. But when we get an offer, no, you don't even bring them in. You don't want that instability right now. So why not Arizona State? Arizona State's been pretty standoffish. I think at the end of the day, it will be Arizona State as a third school.
2: And I think that, honestly, it would make a lot of sense if you had Arizona and Arizona State come together. Um, Yeah, I get that point. But... I think it opens up so many avenues that you can even do in the state of Arizona. Like there's so many things yeah. that you can do if well, you get both of those schools. Just
1: go back to You're your marks Mexico play.
3: Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, adding Arizona State gets hockey school in the Big Twelve. <laughs> That's yes, with a really nice arena that plays NHL games for. Are you not, not for a good it? reason? This is <laughs> a,
2: your random anecdote because this is going on right now. But the SEC wants to move their baseball championships, which is a Major thing for that conference. That is a major thing for that conference. In a lot of schools, it's about basketball and importance. Right. They want to move their baseball championships to an indoor stadium. Well, somebody brought up the idea of going to Arlington, which they can't do right now because the Big 12 is there. Well, what happens if you get the Arizona schools is then all of a sudden you can use the Arizona Diamondbacks for the big 12 and you have the same So you're
3: saying that the big 12 should lay down to the sec
2: no i'm saying that if you have the air it just opens up other avenues and i think you're giving texas the middle finger by saying okay you guys want this place that's fine we'll just move right next door with our schools that are in the backyard there too
1: Uh, i'll be blunt i if i could pick on three more schools that would be arizona arizona state and san diego state I think that's a good way to balance out this conference. But Colorado's ready to come. Colorado, I'm now convinced Colorado hired Dion to join the Big 12. I, I, I thought that immediately. They knew immediately. their lack of commitment to college football was going to cost them a a seat at the table.
2: Does it not make it more interesting, though? Like if they would have just had the same old coach, and Colorado wants to join the Big Twelve, I don't I'd think be they were getting there, in. Uh, no, but it makes it more interesting. I want to see them in the Big Twelve because I want to see how that goes. It's like a, it's like a house fire. You don't know. You just can't look away.
3: Right. Like I, I don't, no, you know what's going to happen. It's
2: burning down. It's I, gonna, it's gonna be. They're night. either going to be really good, or they're either. It's not going to work. That's There's no in between there. Yep, I agree.
1: I don't. This is all interesting. There's so much now. There's so much in flux. ACC's in in play. Uh, They're one lawsuit away, I think, from breaking up, and I think it's coming. There's just not enough money in their contract to appease the programs that feel like they need more money. You can give them a little bit more, but it's not going to add up to anything substantial. They still won't be making what the Big 12 does, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, that's it for this edition of the Power Cat Questions podcast. Now the big question facing the crew here as we sign off is, where are we eating lunch? Ah, there's so many good choices. Some of them are sponsors. And one of them's a ranch.
0: Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com.
1: Every
3: sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has. Broomgate.